right back for another great episode of Behind the Mic. Well, I hope it's a great episode. It will be. I've got a good friend of mine joining me this week. He is a youngster, and I've said this many times. You let people of all ages, all types, people from other planets, all shapes and sizes, no matter what age, inspire you. Greg Levinsky just graduated from Boston University. He began his professional career as a bat boy with the Portland Sea Dogs. That's how Greg and I know each other. And uh, he was 14 doing this. His first year was Mookie Betts, 2014. And he's grown into a terrific young man who aspires to be working in sports. He is a writer. Uh, he's done all kinds of things. But he has um, really matured a lot. And uh, you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Greg. And I think this is really good for people who want to get into business or young and I, I think Greg's going to be a good mentor. Enjoy episode number 40 of Behind the Mic. All right, my uh, my friend from Maine, Greg Levinsky. Greg, how are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. It's um, We're in the middle of June. There's no baseball. But you know, I can tell you, honestly, uh, I've had some time off here. So I've, I've tried to, to stay creative and, and enjoy it. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So I just graduated uh, at the end of May or middle of May. Um, obviously not in person. Um, but done with school, uh, had a little shoulder surgery to get something cleaned up in my labrum. Uh, so recovering from that and still doing some stuff for the globe and a few other things freelance wise and, uh, figuring out what's next, uh, which is, you know, hard and precarious yep. times, but we'll figure out what happens. So I now officially feel old. Like, so you're out of college. You and I have known each other for a while. So yeah, when did I, when did I first meet you? How old were you? Probably about either right when I started, probably before I was a bat boy because I was like a annoying autograph hound. So probably <laughs> like, yep. I don't know, maybe I was probably like in sixth grade. Wow. Fifth grade. Yeah. So, and then obviously I started working in the clubhouse um, my freshman year, I think, spring of my freshman year of high school. So I definitely got to know you better then, but probably. Uh, Early on, probably like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, somewhere around there. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great how much baseball. I, I I was talking to a few people about this that I feel like the game does a lot to mentor people. So same with same with me. You know, I grew up going to Fenway. It made me want to be in baseball. You, of course, growing up in Maine, going to Sea Dogs games. Yeah. Kind of morphed you and, and um, led you down the road of wanting to work in sports. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely did. It, uh, it opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And I think one thing that's great about, I think, and I'm sure you can speak to this even more than I can, the Sea Dogs organization, they're pretty transparent. Like you can see what's going on and you get a good idea of what's happening. Uh, and you also get treated well. So I think it, even though I don't you know, want to work necessarily for a baseball team for my career. I think having that experience was really valuable. And I don't think I could have asked for a better experience in terms of an organization or a boss, like my direct boss, um, Clubhouse Mike, as we know him. Uh, you know, I don't think I could have asked for anything better. It's interesting. So, I mean, you kind of, from being around a lot, realized that that wasn't for you. But I know you want to be a writer or it may be something else. So, yeah front off it's not for everybody certainly no yeah i mean i mean i'm not i'm not holding out anything like i mean I sure. would, at this point i mean you know i just turned 22 so i i'm, I'm pretty down for anything but um you know for now i've 
probably, I, I know I want to stay in the media game, not necessarily sports media. Uh, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> um, we'll keep I this can... in the episode, Greg. Oh, you are? Okay. Oh, yeah, I love, I love when something interrupts. Yeah, I'm, at, I'm it... at home and like I, the home phone or whatever. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I would prefer to be in media at this point, whether that's sports or otherwise. I mean, I just think, um, for me, I want to have a job where I can make an impact on the community where I'm working. So wherever mm-hmm. that is and whatever that may be, um, you know, whether that's covering news in Pittsburgh or sports in Tuscaloosa, I mean, whatever it is, you know, I want to be somewhere where I feel like I, I can make an impact and, and do what the, you know, the ethos of journalism is, you know, give voice to the people who are voiceless and that sort of deal is really important to me. Um, you know, being around sports is awesome and fantastic, but I really like, and I've, I've come to really appreciate through my work at the globe, um, you know, what covering high school sports really means to people and how important that sort of nose to the ground community journalism is to people. And I hope other people realize that too. Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. I think the one thing that you probably learn too, when you cover high school or college, they're all about winning where if you watch minor league baseball, I mean, it's, it's not, it it is, but it's not, I mean, we know let's not, it's about development, but when you go watch high school and you realize, wow, I mean, they're all in, I mean, they're, they're playing their star player every second and it's fun because it's about winning, but it's emotional too. When that kid walks off the floor for the last time. It is, it is. I mean, you know, they, they really care. It's a big deal. I mean, most people I know have played a high school sport, including myself, and you enjoy it. And it's it's something where when you're in high school and you get an article written about you, like, you know, like it's on your parents' refrigerator for the rest of your life probably. And I yeah. think that that is really a special uh, position to be in, to be the person that's able to make that happen. I think you said something good about your ability to relocate. And I... I think nowadays it's changed a little bit in our business where I know, and I don't like to bring up when I was younger because everything changes for a reason, but I, I don't think enough people are willing to move away. And, and whether that's maybe the dynamics of financials that, that our business hasn't grown enough where people can do it, which I understand, but to be successful in what we do, you, you really have to take that leap of faith. And it's good that you're willing to relocate because the market you're in is tough to just dive off that diving board and land in Boston. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that whatever I do, uh, whatever my first, you know, full-time step is, could be a gamble. It could not be, but that's kind of, there are a lot of sports in it goes with that. I mean, you know, if you sign a, a contract, undrafted contract, you're taking a gamble on yourself. You know, if you, if you request a trade, you're taking a gamble on yourself, whatever it is. I think sometimes I, I go back in my brain and, racket for sports analogies that make things make sense no i i mean i agree with you i think it's the right thing to do i'd like i watched some of that podcast you just did and one thing that i really liked about it was you talked about the process of wanting to do these steps before you did it at a higher level and i and i always thought that and i always would tell people the same thing and i think that sometimes that might come across as we're giving people a line but if I started doing Major League Baseball at 22 years old with no experience and failed at it, that would have been a horrible realization. I mean, I could have been out in the street. So I like that yeah. you have that perspective as a young person that you you want to go through the process. 
but it definitely that that perspective definitely didn't come until you know the last year or two yeah. or I guess I guess in college like going into college I definitely thought like you know I want to be covering the Celtics as soon as possible and like of course I sure I still do no sure yeah but I know that there are I guess I believe in the in another cliche but I believe in the dues paying sort of thing you know I, I really do and I think that. You know, you, you apply if you're, or, or in everything in life, there are some things you think you're qualified for that you don't get and things that you think you might be underqualified for that you get. It's all about, you know, leaps of faith and chances, especially in, in this in this industry, in this business, as you know. And uh, you just got to get the right the right mentality about it and, uh, you know, keep, keep going forward. I think, you know, it, it, it's always been the past few years when my friends graduating it's it's hard to get jobs in sports media or in media in general um and um you know the global pandemic when no sports are happening makes it even harder but for me that's a motivating factor right like yeah. that that makes me work harder you know I, i'm still doing stuff for the globe pumping out stories all the time you know and and doing other things taking other freelance opportunities and it's uh that is a motivating factor. You know, it's, it, it kind of puts a fire under you. Yeah. I, I mean, I like adversity. I think you, everyone needs it. And it, you learn a lot about uh, Bob Kipper taught me this. You remember Kip? Uh, oh yeah. We had this conversation in Erie and it just stuck with me ever since. Uh, and it, it was about Stomi Pimentel who was, you know, oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was in a horrible, horrible, uh, maybe a couple weeks. I mean, he was really struggling and he cared and he was, I mean, he was on in tears after games and people were ripping this guy cause he was a, a big prospect. And, and right. Kip said, it's so easy to, to be nice when things are going well, but this is, this is adversity. And you learn a lot about people and situations yeah. during adversity. I think we are right now in our world. Um, this is, you know, we're getting knocked in the face here, but you got to get up and fight. I mean, you can't right. dwell on the whole doomsday and everything because nothing's going to change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dealt. You're dealt the cards, and you, it's your. And I believe, in some ways, it's your choice how you play them. You know, yeah. it's not. It's a. Uh, you know, people. A lot of people ask me, like, "Oh, it must have been so bad not to have a graduate, a real graduation." You know, like in person. Yeah, of course, it's not. It's not ideal, you know. It's not what we want, but you know, we—that's we, that's the reality. And we we were thankful for the three point seven five years or whatever it was we got in college, and then we move on. Like, it, you yeah. know, it's not worth dwelling over. And I can only imagine what kids who are going to be freshmen in college this year are thinking. I mean, you know, they might never have the experience I had the first three and almost, you know, the first really almost the first four or the totality of my undergraduate career. Yeah. That's why I mean that's the one of the things during the pandemic that I have uh, thought about as the kids because as a kid, you know, for 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 myself, I mean, I, I'm not real. I don't want to say I'm that I'm I'm not losing valuable time, but I think about my 20s and and that that time to me seemed like prime time. You know, losing if I lost senior season playing sports or. Right. college that's that's things you can never ever get back so i really feel right. for for people but you have a yeah. good attitude about it yeah absolutely i mean you have to do right or else yeah. or else it's just gonna be sad and mad so it's kind of the it's kind of really the only option uh in terms of productivity you're you're turning into such a mature young man greg not that you were before but you have a good perspective 
Thank you. Thank you. I, it, I appreciate it. It's, it's the family, right? That raised you, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's definitely a part of it. And I think, uh, I think I, I think for myself, I went through a really, uh, kind of transformative period, uh, last summer when I went to Detroit and was on my own in the Midwest, you right, know, for yep. the first time and being away from my family and out of New England. I think that gave me a lot of perspective too. Um, that was, that experience was like, as much as I grew as a reporter, you know, covering the, you know, the Tigers and Lions training camp every day and all that stuff, it was amazing. I think I grew more as a person over yeah. those two months. And like, I, it, I really felt like I came back. I felt like that was when I became like a, a from like a child to an adult in a way. Yep. No, I, I, uh, I remember leaving home for the first time to, to go to Virginia for, for this. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's scary, but it, uh, it, there's something that happens to you and I don't know what it is, but you, I, I think you go one or two ways and um, it sounds like you've, you've gone the right way. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope we still got a long way to go, but so, to, yeah. Trying to start the right way. How did the globe thing come apart? That's, that's a fan. I know you intern and all that, but take us through the process of getting that. Yeah. Position. So for the globe, uh, most of the high school sports coverage is basically done by college kids for the most part. Um, Craig Larson is the high school sports editor. Like he's a full time like, industry veteran. You know, he's been with the Globe for at least a decade, maybe more. You know, he's been around. Um, and he he's full time, obviously. But the rest of us, for the most part, are just like it's not an internship. It's basically part time. Um, and I just knew uh, a kid or a couple kids who were older than me from from BU who were doing it. And I just asked them, you know, how do I do it? And so it's just kind of like a like a pipeline, I guess. Um, you know, BU Northeastern, Emerson, uh, kids I know, Suffolk, uh, other schools like they have co-ops from you know Salem State or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was honestly just asking a, a superior or a uh, an older peer at college, like, how do you do that? And then, you know, they they take you in as 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 someone, you know. You want you got to have some at least student newspaper experience, something. Yeah. But they they kind of coach you a little bit. Uh, in addition to expecting you to work your butt off, and the more you do it, the better opportunities you get. Like like yeah, not only am I doing high, high schools, you know, you start out working at the desk, you know, on the office, and you're putting in scores, and it seems like it's you know it makes you sometimes feel like oh this might not be for me, but you know then you're out in the field, then you're covering state championship games, then you're covering the Boston Marathon, then you're covering you know, whatever else, maybe out there, college basketball, whatever. Uh, they, they really they really like it when you uh, take the opportunity by the horns, and that's what I'm trying to do, especially now, um, when we have a lot of time or too much time on my hands. And uh, obviously no sports are happening, but I think, as you know, um, from a media standpoint, there's more stories now than there would be with sports, with how much things change about when's this coming back, when's that coming back. Yeah, and you wrote a great story about uh, the undrafted free agent the Phillies got from Northeastern. So that's pretty cool. I know you sent me that link, and yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I I, I never really knew kind of how that worked. I mean, obviously in a normal year, uh, he uh, Sam Jacobsack would have gotten drafted, and kind of things would be different. But in this kind of weird year, it's more like the NFL with undrafted free agents because there's only seven rounds in the NFL draft. Um, so it's kind of more similar to that with five rounds in the baseball draft. And I never really knew how that process worked. And he kind of told me everything about how that process worked. And I thought it was cool to kind of lay that out because I would assume that other people were curious how that really happens. I mean, how does a kid who 
you know, throws 30 or 40 innings in his college career, gets signed by a pro team who may have only saw him once, twice at the most, you know, throw, see him, see him throw 19 pitches and then they think he's ours, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And you know, I've actually talked to scouts about that and they've said, well, this is an interesting point. The New England guys don't have as much wear and tear, which is something you never really think about. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, and, and as also as you know, I mean, their their track man or the rap Soto score or whatever. Like all the, all those analytical things are so important that like the college general stats almost are they're not meaningless, but they don't mean as much as you'd think. I completely agree with you. Here in Pawtucket, I have. Um, I met a few people who know Ben Bowden, who was from Lynn, Mass. And, uh, you know, Ben was drafted, went to Van. He ended up getting drafted by the Rockies in the second round. But, I mean, this is a guy to Lynn, Mass. And he didn't throw hard in high school. And now he's, I mean, he's intrigued. He could be in the big leagues this year. He throws 96, 97. He was probably one of the best relievers I saw in Hartford last year. So I really respect, and, and we'll bring this word up again, the process of what those guys do, scouts. And, and, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the the guy that saw Mookie Betts, you know, people forget he was 17, probably looked like you and I, Mookie, at the time. Right. And they're able to, to see something that they think can project down the road. I mean, that that, that skill is, is unbelievable to me. I, I just marvel at those guys. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's so many examples of – Guys, come. I mean, even this year, I guess, and this is, I mean, more of a college recruiting thing, but Spencer Torkelson didn't even get drafted out of high school, and now he's the number one pick. Like, yeah. It's amazing how, how things, how, how projectability really matters in baseball. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, it's remarkable. You know, I, I've been thinking too, I don't know if this will happen, but not having as many rounds in the draft, maybe indie ball is going to be even better. You know, maybe we're going to see guys yeah. go there and, I'll tell you what, nowadays, it doesn't matter where you play. I mean, you've seen it. I mean, how many guys came through indie ball to Portland? Jeez, you end up there, you do well for two months. I mean, you could find yourself in the big leagues the next year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, who's the guy? Ryan Cork is the example that comes up in mind. Um, is, is the indie ball to the big leagues pretty quickly guy. Um, but I know there are a ton of pitchers that happens to all the time. Chris Martin too, right? He was, uh, the big, the big six, eight guy or whatever. Wasn't he, uh, he yeah, was he was, he, then, he went to like an adult league to his, yeah, his, his like stories yeah. or something. And then yep. now he's like the closer for the brave or the set up man for the Braves or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Nava would probably be the poster boy for me. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. But still, but Court, I mean, his his path was really was a lot harder than Nava. Nava was good everywhere, and he went quicker. I mean, Ryan Court ended up he was in affiliated ball, gets released, goes to indie ball. You know, he's a twenty eight year old playing double A, and he finally gets to the big leagues. And I mean, that it's, those are the, I know that you're like me. I mean, those are the stories that you really love. Oh yeah, absolutely. Those are yeah. It's, it's really, it's really, you know, especially being like what I was like, a you know, minor league bat boy and you're 15, 14 years old. Like you definitely get kind of attached to these success stories and you, and you hope more guys would make it, you know, and you, definitely. you, you think it's really cool to see all, all those guys, uh, especially the guys that you never would have thought, you know, are the guys that are, that are there. So the one, well, the ones that are, you, know, you take so much pride in it and it's, it's really cool. It's like, 
don't know. There's just something about that, and it's kind of the same thing with like the red, with the red claws. When a guy sticks in the NBA, who I remember growing up and going to all the games, like a Tim Frazier, who's like actually like my favorite basketball player, which is ridiculous because he's the third string point guard mm-hmm. on every team he plays for. But um, but it's it's yeah. I mean, I feel like the minor league thing. You take a lot of pride in the guys that you see. Like I remember when Jeremy Lin had that Lin Sanity you know, yeah. couple months. I saw him play the game before Lin Sanity, but he got a triple double against the Red Claws. He's playing for the Erie BayHawks. And then he got called up, and then he he went on insanity. So like you know, like all that stuff is stuff you can kind of hold on to. Wasn't that, like that wasn't that his only G League game or or not? I think it was, or yeah. his only G League game that year, maybe. Yeah. But I remember he had like thirty two points and whatever, and because I had heard of him from NBA Summer League the the summer before, and then all of a sudden he's like on Sports Illustrated two times in a row, and he's you know Jeremy Lin. Yeah. So, I mean, let's go back to the, because uh, I have this in my notes, the clubhouse bat boy. I mean, oh, yeah. how does that come about? I mean, see, you know, people don't realize this, that you're doing something that, again, uh, hundreds, thousands of people, and not to exaggerate, but but really, I mean, I wanted to do that as a kid at Fenway. I mean, that yeah. that had to be pretty cool when you were that age telling your friends that you're hanging out with with some uh, pretty cool well, ballplayers. It was Bookie Betts. Yeah. Oh, Bookie wow. Betts is the first year. Um yeah, so basically, I don't know, my dad somehow saw, like, an advertisement for if they need bat boys. I don't know if it was in the newspaper or on the Sea Dogs website or whatever. Um, and I was, I mean, I was just like, sure, like, you know, sounds cool, whatever. Um, and then, so I did it, and Craig Candage was the, the clubby at the time, um, or the home clubhouse manager, I should say, at the time. Uh, and so I did that the first year, just being a bat boy. And then the second year, I kind of started helping a little bit more, kind of stayed around, helped load the buses on getaway day, because as you know, that's when sometimes you can get some extra tips or whatever, and uh, then some things shifted, and then Mike, uh, my favorite boss ever, whose name I still can't pronounce, last name. (laughs) I can't uh, either. So I call him Clubhouse Mike. Um, Best boss ever, like literally. Um, He basically was like, I want you to be my right-hand man for the last Two, so for that was the last two years so first it was in the away clubhouse and then he took over the home clubhouse um the summer after my freshman year of college and like those that last year that summer after my freshman college at home basically being like in charge uh with mike like it wasn't even like mike was my boss at that point he treated me like we were equals and we were doing everything equally it, it was so fun like it was just so it was so cool to i guess be in a management you know like like do something that was uh you know you go to you go to the games as a kid and then like i'm part of the product on the field now yeah yeah i can michael james that year i can tell you uh from mike's perspective why i probably know why he was the way he was with you is you worked hard um he trusted you first of all and you know what mike didn't want to have to babysit you greg he trusted you and but I but but I I mean this in a good way because I think when I was younger, if I did anything for somebody and they kind of let me have my free reign, I was a little bit surprised. But now that I'm older, I realize he's probably got a billion things to do, and the fact that yeah, he can just exactly. bring you in to do whatever and he doesn't have to worry about you is a huge compliment. To yeah, you. exactly. And like every once in a while. I did it last summer and summer before. I would come back into the clubhouse and do my uh, famous 
well, it's become infamous, I guess, now in the Sea Dogs Clubhouse or the Reds. Maybe even, I guess, now you could say the Red Sox organization in a way. I used to do this uh, omelet breakfast bar at the end of the season, and the players loved it. And uh, it was like, you know, they always had the last game at one o'clock or whatever. And yep. they always loved it. So every year, usually, obviously not this year, or, you know, hopefully this year, but who knows. Um, I come back and do that. And it's always so much fun. It's like old times. And, you know, it, it's really, it's so fun to do that. And the players now, most of them weren't there when I was there the whole time. But every once in a while, a guy will still be there. or They'll be on a little bit of a rehab or whatever. Yep. And uh, it's it's so it's it's a lot of fun to, to see how surprised they are when they see me. I mean, I guess going off of that last summer um, when, the, when the Red Sox were in Detroit, I was, you know, doing stuff with the Detroit Free Press, obviously. But I stopped in the Red Sox clubhouse to talk to J.D. Martinez because he played for the Tigers and for a story I was doing. But uh, the look on... You know, Rafi Devers' face and Chavis' face when I just walked in there, they were just so confused and, like, yeah. thrilled. Like, yeah. you know, like, they gave me all gave me a hug, and they were like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Because it's like, why the heck is the clubhouse kid from Portland in Detroit, you know? Yeah. And, and it was it was really, it was a really, really cool experience to, uh, to see that they appreciated what I did, you know? Yes. That they, that they, that they actually you. took to heart what I was doing. It's great, Greg. I mean, you went from, think about this. I mean, you turned into that, you know, I don't know if you wanted to do that bat boy thing that your dad asked you. And then I think you just worked hard at it and showed up on time, I'm sure. And it kind of materialized into maybe what you're doing right now, right? I mean, it definitely helps. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, it's 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 definitely not the the linear way of getting to where I've become. But it, it I think that it helps in a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, that experience on a, you know, professional level just taught me how to work with people. Right. I mean, 35 personalities in the clubhouse that I have to try to manage appease, but not so much appease, but just, you know, keep the thing in motion. And I think that as a reporter, you know, you're listening to all sides of a, of, a, of a thing and trying to make the most sense of it. So it's kind of a similar sort of token from a, two very, very different positions. But you also got a peek behind the curtain on how players act. Because for those yes. that – and we won't – we're not going to get into it here because I'm, I'm not – it's not something that um, it's revealing. There's just – I don't want to bore people. There's just – there's a dynamic of how to act – with the guys, you know, and I learned it at a young age and, and you learned it. So then as a writer, you kind of understand. Yes, that it, right? that's a good point. I don't even really think about it that much. That, that dynamic is very similar between like being because you're on you're, you're you're on the outside looking in, but you're on the inside more than everyone else. So yeah. it's definitely it's definitely kind of a similar dynamic where like you have to be friendly, cordial but you're not friends with them, but you have to be, or you're likely not friends with them, maybe more so in a clubhouse position than a reporter position, you'd be friendlier with them. But, you know, you have working relationships, right? Like that's the, that's the, that's the, the whole thing behind it. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing about the big leagues that I, that is, I will I don't want to say bad, but it's uncomfortable. I remember going into a clubhouse before a game. It's completely different than the minor leagues. It's not as, because those guys don't let their hair down as much because they can't. But I remember going to Cleveland and there was just a ring of people around everybody. I mean, there, there had to be 25, 30 reporters 
in the clubhouse and I walked in, I was working in Erie and I walked in to see a bunch of the Tigers guys that I knew. And it, it was like, Oh, I can't really go over there and start busting their balls or it's just, it's because you can't, you know, it's, right. it's, it's so we are privileged to a little bit different. And I'm not saying that it's one's better or the other, because I'm sure it's just more professional in the big leagues, but it's, it's a little eye opening Once you go up in the big leagues, you realize that, I mean, it is a business, and and those guys have to be careful what they say. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and, and it's just a, I mean, it's just there's a lot, there's a lot more money, you know, yeah. to be to be lost or had depending on what people do, and um, and people are more mature. I mean, you know, guys can be 18 in Double A. I mean, not usually, but you know, they're 20, 21, and you know, they're younger than me now. Some of them, which is crazy. Like I can't believe that. So I mean, and you know, the big leaguers are you know, usually more mature, uh, or at least, you know, are expected to be more mature. Um, and it, it is a different dynamic for sure. I mean, but it's, uh, that's where they want to go. So, I mean, you know, it's, I guess it comes in the territory. Yeah. So, um, is basketball your thing or are you a baseball guy? Uh, I get confused I, with you. I, you seem like my a... core, on my core, I, I would say basketball is my yeah. thing. But I would definitely, I mean, I've been around baseball so long. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I think in terms of like a job, I think really anything's my thing. Like I, I get yeah. into it stuff. Like I got into, I, I, I was just as into BU field hockey the past four years as I was into this, anything, you know, yeah. and like, like, you know, it doesn't matter to me and, and, you know, uh, but I would say like as a, my favorite sport growing up was definitely basketball for sure. So yeah, as a fan, that that's your thing. Definitely, definitely. Like I, yeah. like I love going to basketball games. Like, like I don't have to be paid to go to a basketball game, but you know, I, I, I and it can be like a pretty random basketball game. Like I, I love going to a Northeastern Hofstra basketball game. Most people don't want to do that, so you know. That's no, my thing. I, I don't think that's weird. I mean, I know covering. I don't look at anything I've covered uh, as bad. I mean, I, when I was doing the UNE stuff here in Bitterford, Maine, I mean, I, I loved watching the, uh, the women's team just dominate year after year and you start really getting into it. I, I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Because I, I honestly think nowadays, like, I don't know how, like if people really enjoy sports anymore, like they used to, it's just, it's so, I, I don't like all the other crap that comes with it. The, the, the politics of it, the gossip, I mean, I actually enjoy the game. You know, I think there's too much of this other stuff. You know, I maybe it's me just getting older, but it just it just seemed when I was younger there was less drama and and people hate players now more than they ever. It just I don't know. You don't seem like that at all. I don't. I, your generation is seems like they're pretty well connected with with players and yeah. really liking the game. I feel like most of my friends really respect a lot of the athletes like i feel like there's yeah. not a whole lot of hatred like it's more I my feel, age i think <laughs> i don't know i guess i mean I, I don't i don't really know i just feel as if you know we're we we people just because everyone's so accessible right yeah like you can see what everyone's doing so it makes them hard to hate it's easy to hate someone who only beats the people you like and that's the only time you see them but it's it's hard to hate someone who's philanthropic or who is you know uh championing for a good cause or whatever like how do you hate that person you know you can you, you can hate them when they beat your team but sure. how could you hate them as a person 
Yeah, I just don't get the LeBron thing at all because I, well, see, I and I, I like LeBron. Me too, because I I've told many people younger than me they would have hated Jordan. There and right. after you watch that documentary, those guys are very similar. There was a lot of things Jordan said in that documentary that is exactly what LeBron says now, and I, I just. It's weird to me, like, grown men were mad about the decision show? Like, why? I could care less. That didn't... Who cares? Like it? The, yeah, it's a good show. I yeah, but, but, but why would it bother you? Like, I don't... Right, right, right. It's, it's weird. I mean, I, the guy's done... He's never done anything wrong. He's never been arrested or... He's, no, he's a good... I mean, he does great things for every community he yeah. goes to. He's a once-in-a-lifetime generation who came out of high school. The guy's been had a microscope on him, I think since he was 11 or 12 right. and he lived up to it, which I mean, that's, yeah. that's where, and he played in his hometown and, and still, yeah, I just think he's remarkable, but I, I don't, I don't know if you saw the, the, the Jordan documentary, but there's a lot. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. My dad and I, my dad, my dad's been very into all of the yeah. ESPN. Well, for the most part, ESPN, the 30 for 30s that have come out. I mean, Jordan's very critical of, of coaching changes. Uh, oh, yeah. Saying, I can't do it by myself. He didn't do well when Pippen wasn't there, which is, you know, we, we right. say that these guys need to win by themselves in the NBA, which you, you can't. And that there's yeah. no great player in the history of the league that won championships without a good core. I mean, it's, it's right. common sense, isn't it? I mean, the biggest takeaway for me with that was, like, how much the Pistons and them hated each other. Oh, like, yeah. No teams, no teams hate each other anymore, which is, like, I think is, like, a good thing. But, I mean, and a bad thing. It has its pros and cons. But, it, you know, I don't know if anyone really – I mean, maybe, like, there's a, I'm sure there's a few guys in the NBA who would say things like that about LeBron, you know, or about yeah. the Warriors or whatever. But I don't, I don't think it's that many. You know, I think a lot of these guys, you know, play with each other so much at young ages that they – really are our friends and then they can turn on the competitive edge because you know for me i'd rather i mean i think a lot of people i'd rather beat my dad in a game of horse than some random person you know like like, yeah. like you're more competitive with the people you like sometimes so no you're right on that it's it's uh those laker celtics teams did not like i mean they they did not like each other um celtics pistons i mean i Lambert was McNasty. I mean, um, the broadcasters got into it. But I will say, though, I feel like players are better, believe it or not, from my point of view, I feel like they're better with fans now, though, that they do, they give you a lot more attention. Um, I remember I remember going to Fenway, and you'd never see a guy on deck talk to somebody in the stands. I mean, I, I right. see Miguel Cabrera do that. So, I, But I agree with you. Um, and it's probably recruiting, right? You want to be friends with, you want to go on that team. So yeah, so I mean, nice, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a show. I mean, sports is entertainment as much as it is an athletic event. So, so what is ultimately your dream job? Is it just whatever? Ooh. I I I have I almost have a canned answer. Not really. No, that's um, good. So so my my dream job is to if this I don't know if this makes any sense, but to be a cross between two people. Woj and Jackie McMullen because I would want to be someone who's in tap and in the know but Jackie McMullen is such a phenomenal storyteller and writer yeah and she is like like whenever Jackie McMullen writes something is on a podcast on TV whatever like I'm a, I'm watching that no matter what it's about like I, even if it's about a subject I don't care about I still like to listen to she and like hear what she has to say so 
I mean, I look up to, I look up to her. She actually came into one of my classes and we got to like have a real conversation with her. And that was really, really cool. Cause she's like, I mean, she's, she played at UNH basketball. Like she, you know, she's a local legend for sure. And she does it the right way. Doesn't she? Oh my God. I mean, I saw her, I've seen her at work. I, I was, uh, when I entered for WEI, I was covering a Celtics game and they were playing the Cavs. And I remember her, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't an interview, but she was like, talking with Kevin Love. And of course, you know, later Kevin Love would, um, share his story partially through the players review, but also partially through her and really help with the mental health initiatives of the NBA as a whole. And the yeah. way, you know, the grace that Jackie McMullen carries herself with and how much the players respect her is it's amazing to see. Like they, they, they respect Jackie McMullen. I think every single player in the NBA, like you can't be in the NBA unless you respect her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She does it the right way. I mean, you truly, you don't have to be a troll to, uh, <laughs> No, she doesn't have a Twitter. You know, like, like, like she's just, she's, she's great. And then obviously, like, the other person in that equation was Woj. I mean, you know, you can't be any more in, in tap oh, with, yeah. with, with things than, than that. I mean, I don't, I don't really, I mean, would I love to be that? Sure. I don't know if I really, I don't think that, I mean, it's not realistic because yeah. no one's like that. Except for, you know, I guess Schefter and Jeff Passan and Chris Hayne, you know, a couple guys. But no, no one's like that, so. Yeah, I like, you know, I think one great thing nowadays, I like that those guys are in the public eye more. I love watching NFL Live. I like that there's an Adam Schefter that breaks a lot of stories. But I feel like there's a core of, of guys in all those sports. They, they really do it the right way, and they've kind of maintained yeah. that. You know, there's there's always this, as you get older, you got to change your – you do certainly have to adapt, but – I think if you you have the same principles, they kind of translate in regardless of what era we live in. Yeah, definitely. I think I consume by far the most basketball content, so like I definitely that's kind of why I think I I, I go to them. Uh, and also Zach Lowe, yeah, who I really really look up to. I think his he uh, the work he does is very especially now his, his podcast has had a lot of really interesting guests lately talk about important things you know like he had Karan Butler talking about the criminal justice system and what he experienced uh growing up in racing Wisconsin like I don't know like I mean I think those those reporters that kind of are are beyond the sport they cover is really kind of what I aspire to be yeah you know I wanted to 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 talk to you about what's been going on lately and I I you know younger people I think have a good perspective I think younger people are, are more accepting of everyone. Um, I just know from, from myself, I ha I struggle with, with what's going on because I'm not racist, you know, and I really, when I say that, I'm not, I'm not trying to promote myself, but I just don't understand in 2020 how anyone could not like someone because of the color of their skin or nationality. And you and I have been around people from all over the world. And I know you're like me, we love everybody. So I, I don't get it. I don't know if you've been going through something like that similar. Yeah, I mean it's definitely hard. I think I, uh, I, my sister is an educator at Portland High School, and she, you know, is is in education, which obviously has a really uh, important role in our society. And, yes. Um, we have a lot of really intellectual conversations just about everything, and um, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, for us, it's listening and educating ourselves as much as we can um, and, and taking action as much as we can. I think yeah. the, the, the whole, 
the silence is violence thing. I, I really do believe that and taking action, you know, is important. Um, like for me, I, I, I've been reading a book, uh, called how to be an anti-racist. Um, it, it's, uh, very well known. It was more than one of the bestsellers last year. Um, and you know, I'm not blasting that. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you cause you asked, but you know, I'm not saying, Hey, on Twitter, Hey, look what I'm reading. I'm the best. You know, no, it's no. just, I think it's, I think, you know, educating yourself in a, in a quiet way is, is important yes. uh, and, and, and that will inform your, your, your viewpoint, uh, more so than being flamboyant about what, I mean, I think no matter what you do, I, I saw this Instagram post circulating. It was like with a bunch of basically like basically how people have reacted all the good ways people have reacted. And it's like, if you don't do one of these things, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. If you don't do all of them, doesn't mean you're a bad person. But it's great to see if you're doing something or it's good to know if you're doing something. I just so. don't I just I know that some people are doing things because they maybe they feel like they should. And that 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 to me bothers me, too, because I can sniff out the the bandwagons and that that I don't like. I don't like this overwhelming support of Colin Kaepernick now because I argued with people four years ago and people insulted me and told me I was an idiot. And, and how could you ever think that? And you shouldn't be for it now because of what happened. You you know, we need to be more I want people to put their the words out there and take criticism. You know, I I find it weird that Roger Goodell is supporting Colin Kaepernick now. I mean, it took somebody to get murdered for you to, to, to think that. I find that awkward. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean maybe I, it, you know I guess it's good that it's progress, but but let's not be react you know, let's be proactive now. Right. No, yeah, that's the that's the essence of it for sure. I that, think I think I think I think Goodell definitely got eviscerated on Twitter and stuff too. So yeah, I, you know, for that, I mean, as he should. So yeah, but he's got enough money where he can go hide somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm Scarborough. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that is, you know, I live close to that area. If anybody tells you that they went down his neighborhood, there you can't get down there. So I've had right, it's like a gated community yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So you know, I was. Uh, you know, one person we were talking about Twitter, and I'll, I'll let you go here in a couple minutes. Um, Mike Reese is from my hometown of Ashland, Mass. Oh, he, yeah, Mike Reese is, he, Mike yeah, Reese is a legend for sure. He's a legend. And, you know, he wrote an article on me 20-something years ago, and you were saying earlier how – now, that this was a local story. I think it's it, – it, it had to – you know, I was still an amateur at the time. It was my first year, I think, in baseball, but it, it was about an Ashland native. I still have that in a frame. My sister made me this frame with some articles. Yeah. And you said earlier about covering high school sports that you could write something that somebody would cut out. And, and so you hit a home run on that. Cause I didn't, you didn't know that. Um, right. Exactly. I have amateur articles that I still have to this day that I, that I would be devastated if I lost. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like, I mean, to hear that is, is it's exactly my point. Um, and, and that it, it's really, uh, special to be a part of that process, even you know, as the reporter, um, it's it's really uh, one of the most um, exciting things about about doing sports reporting or any, any reporting at, at the local level is seeing the impact uh, that it has on people, and, and it's really special for me to be able to see that, um, especially you know, uh, like we said before, do I want to come to the Celtics? Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, the amount of impact I think I've made as a, you know, in my small amount of experience local in local, you know, really 
uh, hyper local journalism has been rewarding. And like, I, I, I hope that I can keep that wherever my, my career takes me. I want to make sure that I'm still making an impact on whatever I'm covering, because I think that is the essence of why I and so many other people want to do what we're trying to do in the midst of a time where it's, it's hard to do it. Yeah, that's well, well said. Um, I, I'm not going to name people on this list though. Uh, I went and looked at a lot of, now I know that you have to do this sometimes in, in the national business is you have to be, you have to take the negative side and you, it, it helps business. So yeah. I, I gathered some people I'll tell you off the, I don't, I, you know, I know it's a podcast, but I don't want to, right, right, this is a list. This is a learning tool though, because I think some people that are younger think that I have to go on Twitter. Or I have to do, I have to be this way to get followers. Well, I found a list of people who are under 60,000 followers that, that do things that way. Mike right. Reese has, I don't think Mike Reese has written anything bad about anybody. He's got right. 313,000 followers. I yeah. mean, and he does it, you know, he's as nice as ever, but that's my, I know Mike, that's his personality. So he, he, he literally is so nice. It's, he's, he's the best. Crazy. Yep. He's got yeah, six I, times. I yeah. Time, I met him one time when I was like, I don't know, like 14. And last summer in Detroit, he re- remembered me and knew exactly who I was, which was like mind boggling because I met him for like five minutes once. Yeah. So I, I got to tell you a funny story. Um, he came up to Portland once mm-hmm. with his, I think it was fiance at the time. They were just coming by. So he wanted to stop by and say hello to me. And when he, we used to have a, a secretary up front. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember the old office in Portland? How it was configured? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the girl calls. It was a funny story. She was young and she said, hey, Mike, I've got a Mike Reese here. Do you want to come down and talk to him or should I tell him? that you're busy. And I said, well, can he hear you? And she's like, Oh yeah, he can hear me. I said, but he didn't care. He laughed. But if that was anyone else, they might've, you know, gone ballistic on and she felt horrible. And he was like the nicest guy to make her feel better because she was embarrassed, but it's a game day. You know how things are, but just that little thing that he, and he made that girl feel just amazing that, you know, and, um, that's the type of guy he is. Absolutely. We got to get you hooked up with him, man. I know. Well, I, I, I have a little bit. He's a, he's a, he's, he's like I said, he's as nice as humanly possible and yep. makes time for people and is really good at his job too. Let's not forget that that he is extremely good at his job. That's why he's covering you know the most important, if not or one of the most important beats for one of the most prominent outlets in the world. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy for him and Bob Sosi. They 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 got to see. And, and cover and witness you know, two of the best at their job in in the history of the game. I mean, when those guys walk away from what they do, they're going to look back and say, wow, it was part of part of history, yeah. you know? It's like covering Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron. I mean, or Larry Bird. I mean, that – Jordan. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Greg, I've taken enough of your time. Yeah, no problem. Any, no problem. It's always good to talk to you. That was great stuff. I really enjoyed talking to Greg, and I've known him 
since he was a teenager now growing up and getting through college. But I really hope that uh, he is super successful. And I think he will be because he's got the work ethic. I want to tell everybody, you know, just a little thing about having good work ethic. And I think when we're younger and we get into any kind of business, we have maybe an image or an idea that we think that we have to be. For me personally, I always worried coming out of college that I wasn't a 4.0 student, that I didn't go to the most prestigious college. I worried about a lot of those things. But one thing that even if you did do that, if you have the 4.0 and you went to a prestigious college, if you don't work hard, it's not going to matter. And here are some of my key things that I think you have to do. And at my age, I'm still doing it and still working hard at getting better at it every day. The first thing is easy. You've got to be on time. That's the absolute thing you have to be is on time. Respect your bosses. They're going to tell you to do things you don't like. They're going to say things you don't like. It doesn't matter. They're the boss. When you become a boss, then you make the own decisions. But until then, you have to respect them. Okay? It, you know, Don't go around gossiping all the time, all this, this, this. Hey, just let it go. Gossip about it in your personal time. Work hard, obviously, right? Run through a wall for your for your job. Here's the, the last thing. Be a good teammate. For some people, they're going to have no idea what that means. Be a good teammate to others. There are things that you can do, little things, but be good to everybody. Even if you don't love that other person, you're not friends with them, you got to be a good teammate. All of you are terrific teammates for listening to Behind the Mic, 40 episodes down, and we're going to have more than 40 to go. Peace and love. I'll talk.